Petter Hedborg is a Swedish entrepreneur and investor with remarkable results achieved at a very young age. Petter is also the chairman of the Swedish sport fishing company Söder Sportsfiske. In this episode, Petter explains why his passion for finance and sport fishing has great synergies, what makes his investment philosophy unique and able to produce so high returns, how he wants to scale modular finance to become the best investor tool in the Nordics, and many more lessons on building companies and finding your edge as an investor. Let's start the show. Quarter is the new way of doing company research. With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world straight to your pocket. Quarter's mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. Quarter is 100% free. They include companies from 15 markets today and plan to add more over time. They always prioritize requested companies which users can easily do in the app. Users can also leave reactions while listening to the conference calls to make their voice heard. So check out Quarter. Q-U-A-R-T-R. All opinions expressed by Christopher Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of BIN. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Vonheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back, everyone. I'm super excited to be joined by Petter. And Petter, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. I want to go all the way back and sort of understand when you got interested in finance. Was it through family? Was it through someone close in your proximity? What was sort of the story that led you into the finance rabbit hole? Uh, It sure was family. So it started really early. I think I was about... 12, 13, something like that. And my grandfather started to talk about a, a company, uh, Gunnebo, uh, that, that he heard about because he was really into like carpenting and, and stuff like that. So, so it was something about uh, fences or nails or I don't even remember, but something got him interested in that company and he got me interested. So I bought shares for two or 300 kroners in, in, in Gunnebo. And, and in one year or so, they, they were like up 100% or something. So, so, so that was like really my first nugget of, of, uh, of feeling the, the power of, of the, the, the stock exchange. Was it sort of like the, um, how do you say, like the money piece, the interesting part at that your young age? Or was it real to understand the company and sort of understand like the economy overall? In, in, in that young age, I don't think I, I understood anything about the company. So it was more the fact that that I, I in some sense, understood that there's a market where, where, where you're investment or your money can can grow without you putting in more more work than just having an idea basically uh so so i think that was just uh, really sparking my 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 interest but that career was was like super short so so probably i i found some nice toy or something to 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 buy and and then i didn't think about stocks for 
some years. So it was back when in my second to last year in in in, in gymnasium where I uh, where I revisited the, the the stock market again when I was about yeah 18 19 years old or or so. If you haven't been involved in finance, what would you, what would you replace that hobby with? I think you know the answer, but uh... yeah, it, it probably is my, my two biggest hobbies is is the two things that I actually work with that I put a lot of lot of time into, and that is the stock market and uh, sports fishing. So so those two things uh, take a lot of time, but now I'm also a father, so so I have to try fit them in uh, with the most important thing of all. And that, of course, is family. Yeah. Maybe a cliche question, but I'll ask it anyway. Is there any similarities between sport fishing and finance? Obviously, you can say that you need to be concentrated, you need to be competitive, etc. But is there some parallel we can, we can yeah. get out of it? Yeah, surely. Uh, I, think, I think the biggest thing for me is that I realize that I'm I think that I've, I've, I'm becoming better and better at both things, but I'm not even close to the top. And I know that I will never grasp everything. I will never be uh, fully, fully capable of, of, of doing what you can do. So I think that's what's really, really intriguing to me, that it's, it's new information every day. The stock market uh, sends out new releases from new companies, new angles of information, you get better, you see new things, uh, new underlying trends. And, and sports fishing, it's, it's more of a, a static world in one sense, but, but you're like competing against living creatures that's down there. And, and one day I believe that I understand their behavior and their pattern, and one day I, I'm totally lost. So uh, yeah, both things, uh, both things are, are so, so hard. And, and uh, I think that's what's intriguing the most. Can you tell us a bit about the company Söder Sportsfiske, just the journey they've been through? Because obviously it's, it's not a new company, but maybe it's like the evolution has made it that it's a really new company today with great growth potential. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's a new company in, in the sense that it's a, a listed company that you can evaluate from from like really serious perspective. And and for for me, it started uh, from a customer perspective. So so I've been sports fishing since I was five six years old, and I've done it a lot. Uh, and in I think 2014 or so, I started to really. Uh, concentrate my my buying behavior towards Sadsportfiske, the the local store here in Stockholm, but also their uh, e-commerce. And I I really felt that that it stood out to to everything else, uh, and that I got both the, the 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 customer experience that I wanted, but also the the knowledge and and the broad range of products and and all that. So so for for me as someone that's obsessed with analyzing companies i i went into to the 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 company registry and i i looked the company up and i saw that this was really really well uh run company uh, profitable from day one e-commerce was not uh openly pos- um cash flow positive and 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 profitable at that that time so i really i really contacted the the two founders and then started to 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 uh, try to get them to understand that I could that I could help them. 
I mean, this is a unique category, and I just want to spend some minutes explaining it because you've talked about it before. Because if you look at this company, like uh, uh, normally a smart guy would say that, okay, why can't Amazon just compete this business model? But there are some features that make this quite unique. So can you just quickly explain that for people who are interested in that type of niche? Absolutely. So... Um... Some uh, some things that that you can uh, start uh, with is that the, the the range of products is is it's really really broad. So so you have to have twenty, thirty, forty thousand products to to compete. And of course, Amazon can do that. They have they have warehouses much bigger than that. But you know you have to know what those forty thousand products should be. And it's really 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 news driven and. Sometimes you also need to, to create the, the news flow yourself. You have to go out there and fish with new products and, and show the market that you, can, uh, that you can catch fish on it. So it's a super niche, super nerdy, super knowledge-thirsting uh, uh, industry uh, that, that doesn't really fit for a, a, a super broad, uh, multi-brand, multi-category uh, e-tailer. You want to buy the stuff from someone that catches fish. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain better than that, but that's actually the case. Great, great explanation. Um, you said that in this story that you sort of, you approached the entrepreneurs and the founders and, mm. and talked to them. And that story, I think is relevant to also explaining Petter as the investor, because it seems like you started with that approach from a very, very young age. Can you sort of explain us that time of, uh, of your life and how you always have approached companies, get to know the founders if you can, etc.? Yeah, so so uh, there are there are a lot of different ways in being uh, successful on on the stock market, but for, for me, uh, knowledge and and conviction are really like uh, a word that's being used a lot, but it's 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 still so relevant. So I have to use it. It's super important. So I I know that I won't find the the best investments at any specific time, but my goal is rather to find the best investments for me and the best investments for me are companies that uh, can deliver growth uh, profitable growth and growth that i don't that i understand and believe in so i started really really early to to contact the 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 CEOs, the CFOs, the boards of, of these companies, uh, you have to, of course, stay super humble and understand that they actually don't have time for a, a really, really small investment investor like, like me, as I was in the beginning. Uh, but you have to try to find, find angles so they, they give you the answers that, that you want. And that can be to, to be really, really into what they're doing and showing them that you put in a lot of time to understand the business model and, and so on. Because really often, even, even fund, manage, fund managers that, that are on the top 10 list, they, they don't know the company as good as you. Uh, and if you show the management that, that you really care, they will give you some airtime. That's a very good advice. Uh, I mean, leading up to this conversation, I got some some Twitter DMs explaining your track record, and the number was so big that I'm afraid to say it even. But can you sort of explain your track record and what you can share publicly? Publicly, because it's been quite a journey, at least. Uh, yeah, so so I've been active on on the stock market for 
15 or, or 16 years and and uh, i'm 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 super proud of, of what i've been able to 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 achieve uh and and uh, i think the, the way to do that is that i put in a lot of, i did a lot of mistakes the first years uh, so there i was probably just lucky uh, i started uh, i started in a, a really good period period 2005 2006 when it was it's never easy but it was easier then so i did a lot of really really bad calls and i got awarded for them anyways uh so, so i was lucky in terms of timing uh but i did a lot of mistakes and i think that i learned from from some of them uh and then i think i pretty early on found my strategy and i i uh, i was able to stick to it so so i started off by by being more active more of a, a trader i i could have uh just a, a position over one day or two days, but but really early on, I started to understand. For for me, swing trading is is the thing. Uh, so so for between year three and ten or so, I had like two or three core positions that that I held for maybe twelve to twenty four months, and then I had swing positions for three to six months or one to three months some, sometimes. And that's evolved to to the the strategy I have today, where I only have core holdings that I hold for twelve to thirty six months. So I think, um, yeah, uh, I, I've I've spent a lot of time reading uh, press releases, company reports, and I stuck to my to my strategy. So I think that 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 would be the best explanation on on, on how I uh, succeeded fairly well the last couple of years. I mean, it's the famous, uh, I think it's Mark Cuban quote that concentration builds wealth and diversification protects it. And of course, it's it's all about finding your own investment style. But just to repeat for the people that really wants to understand your strategy, it's basically finding, I don't know if you would say like five companies today and really dig, go hard on them and expect them to have the growth trajectory that you that you predict. Yeah, So so starting off, I had like maybe... Yeah, more active approach, uh, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten companies in the portfolio at any specific time. But but those were were changed out a lot. So it's more of a trading strategy the first two, three years. Uh, after that, I went on to a more like swing, swing trading strategy. And that's when I uh, boiled it down to for me to, to really know my my case because it's both knowing the company and knowing the case, your investment case. Those can be two separate things. I can see a, a wonderful company, but I won't invest in it because I don't see an investment case. And it can also be the other way around, that I see a really good investment case, but it's uh, yeah, it's an okay company. So yeah, so I, I, I chose or I still choose a really focused uh, strategy. I have between five and eight holdings today, I would say. And the reasoning behind that is that that way I can put a lot of time into every holding. So I, I visit uh, the companies uh, in their headquarters every year. Uh, I, I speak to, to the management as much as I can. And I read everything I get my hands on. So, so for me, uh, that has been the strategy. And I can also take it as far to say that if you are willing to put in the time, if you think this is really, really fun thing to do, to be on the stock market and, and to put in the time, I believe 
that a focused strategy is the best risk reward uh, strategy to, to, to really high returns. Uh, and, and you have to, do, to go into that risk reward equation and be okay with taking that kind of risk but because of course you will hit black swans and you will have bad calls but that's that's part of the game that's not that's not the argument against the strategy that that that's a that's a part of it i would say i asked a friend to to describe you and he said that there were three words to sum you up it was consistency quality and focus do you think that's a fair description on your approach? Yeah, that was really nice of him to say. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's a good way of describing it. So, so normally I only invest in profitable companies. Uh, for some, that that uh, that um, limits the alternatives too much. I do still some investments where they're really on the tipping point and so on. But but to keep it easy only profitable uh, companies and and uh, consistency yes i think that's been maybe one of my really strong suits that i don't anymore get get sucked into the 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 hype or the fomo when when a holding that i don't understand really runs for example uh, i don't speak about specific companies but for example iGaming, uh, i i've never understood it uh, it's it's too hard for me. I think it's too much regulatory affairs that I will never really, really understand. So, so I've I've never I've never uh, rode that that uh, underlying trend, and that's okay. You don't have to do them all. You just have to do the things that you understand and do them good. Is that uh, example also relevant in the crypto space? Have you dabbled into that or just completely stayed away? Completely stayed away. Uh, I don't understand anything. Uh, I, I do understand that that's the underlying technology, the the the, the blockchain technology, but rather uh, rather than the the actual uh, currencies. But but for me, no, that that's I'm 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 not intelligent enough to to understand it. So I just keep away. Let's talk a bit about uh, identifying uh, companies. You have the sort of the screening uh, strategy and you have the gut feeling. You really rely on the gut feeling. And I think it's important to maybe be specific about what gut feeling is because gut feeling isn't necessarily waking up in the morning, having an idea in the shower, but it's based on millions of experiences and data points. How would you sort of describe that feeling? Well, to start off, uh, I'm 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 really really cheating in one way uh, because I'm 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 working with this. We have uh, banks, institutions, fund companies, and a lot of listed companies as as uh, customers. Uh, so I, at every single point in time, have one of my screens that that's uh, a, a terminal with just news flow, uh, share prices, and and so on. So one eye is is always there i don't read everything but i read a lot and i see a lot and i hear a lot i speak to a lot of people so sometimes a name just pops up and i don't always know where it comes from but it's like a a, a condensed uh piece of information where I've seen a company name, heard a good investor, investor talking about a spe specific underlying trend. At the same time, that company took a 5G order and this happened and this happened. And just it just adds up to, okay, now I have to put in the time uh, into this company. And of course, I miss a lot of stuff by just relying on, on 
on those ideas coming to me. Uh, but but it's enough. I just have to I just have to swing on those five to ten to ten uh, balls, and and I just I I. I I have a new company in my portfolio maybe every every year so so that's that's fine I don't have to I ha- don't have to find them all um and and screening can be good I have found investments that way it's not that I rule it out it's just that sometimes it's a little bit uh, false security in those type of if you only go about it that way I think you will miss a lot because because investment investing is, is much more complex than that it makes sense i think another i will say like cheating point is that being an, an entrepreneur yourself you also have a very unique insight into really understanding the business models of the companies how can we break that down yeah that, that, that that's totally it so so the main weakness if i can say that i see in other investors is that they've learned the talk and learned how to speak about investments and they sound super smart but when you try to really talk about how the pricing will change when uh, they can't do this or can't do that or uh, why uh, recurring revenue is so much better than than selling uh, this product through a really super solid uh, scalable distribution network then you sometimes see that they're more more like traders than than investors they they've learned how to talk about the story and that's fine but then you should adapt your knowledge base or or your like ambition with your strategy and don't think that you are a long-term investor because then the first uh, bad period you will just throw the, the the holding out and say nothing to no one because you're ashamed uh so so yes that's been a really good uh, piece in the toolbox to to understand uh, companies. And when we ran our first company, Introduce, I I held investor presentations. So I did one to three investor presentations every day for four years. And sometimes I sat and listened to a Polish subcontractor that did something super boring, uh, but I gathered like pieces of information that I'd used, really used in other cases. So, so hearing, hearing, learning about different industries, different business models, different distribution chains, different ways of pricing things. You can, you can never, you can never hear enough of that because, because you will use those pieces in the puzzle when you, when you visit your next case. I mean, so collecting those ideas is a perfect segue to the diary I understand you wrote during the COVID pandemic. Can you tell us a bit about that uh, experiment? And you don't have to read off from your diary, but maybe you can have some some key insights. No, but 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 the last like three four years, I've been really really unaffected by index moves, uh, the the dips in the market, uh, periods weaker periods for my own holdings. So so I thought that okay, now I'm. I'm immune to this. I, I can just focus on fundamentals. It's this is I I I I I can do this now. And then we we started uh, 2020, and and we got back to those days that that I uh, experienced in 2008 because I was active then as well. Uh, then I was super super 
I had a small portfolio that I could move pretty quickly. So then I was quick out. So I was only down 13% or so 2008, just because I sold everything really early and stayed out. So, so that was, that was good. Uh, I cannot do that now. And, and that's not in line with my strategy now. So uh, I, I saw a, I saw a really, really big decline in, in my portfolio. And, and I, I was affected. I was not uh, Superman. Uh, so, so what I did there was that I didn't do anything stupid in terms of, of uh, trying to, to um, sell a lot of holdings or, or do a lot of stuff. I, I, I think I bought into one new case that, that's been really, really good. And I, I divested one case that was okay. So, so that's what I did. But I did keep a diary just to, to try to understand the, the psychology of, of those days and was stuff like, okay, will, will this be Armageddon someday to, okay, now I feel a little bit up more optimistic. Will this, will this, will this stay? And then the next day, no, I'm not optimistic anymore. So, so yeah, uh, I, I surely got affected a lot. Uh, luckily I didn't act on it, but, but uh, for my, for my head, it, it, it was tough. Did that experience make you want to track your thoughts even more in the coming years? Or was it just an experiment that you learned something from? And now It was more of an experiment because I, I, I was a little bit cocky and I thought that I was past those days. Uh, and, and there I am also lucky that I have my co-founder, Mons. Uh, he, is, he is Superman in that sense. He's, he's, it's crazy. When, when things is, is blowing, I'm just asking him, okay, Am I overreacting here? And he's, he can be down 13% in his portfolio one day and he will still look at it with a really like sensible uh, eyes. So, so yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a big, big rock those uh, days and, and maybe I can help him with some new angles and cases and stuff where I go maybe a little bit deeper than him. Yeah. Sounds like the perfect partnership. Just a, just just the last principle on your investment journey. Uh, if you talk about a concept like uh, simplicity, I bring that up because when you're, I mean, you work with data all the time. You can have information about everything, but it seems like to really understand your investment strategy and how you structure things, you kind of try to make it as simple as possible and try to focus on the features that is. Maybe maybe the Pareto principle is a good one, that the 20% that gives 80% of the result, at least have that framework in mind. How important has it been to have like a simple but solid foundation to work from when you're investing? I don't think I have a really like uh, applicable model that I can use on every uh, investment. The only thing that I come back to is that when I've decided to, to enter or go into a new position, I'm starting to, to acquire shares uh, and it's, it's uh, going to be a, a, a significant holding. So for me, everything from uh, 35% down to 10% of the portfolio makes sense for me. Uh, so then I always do one sheet. I'm, I'm not a pro in Excel, so I do, I do it like in, in Google Sheets. And I just do two, three years back, two, three years into the future. And I do simple, a really, really simple model. That's a little bit different compa- depending on, on the type of, of company. But normally it's like uh, top line growth, um, profitability. Uh, I do always like... Uh, 
gross margin, of course, and OPEX in terms of, in terms of sales. So you can see the effectiveness of, of the company. And I always decide on uh, my view of the peak margin. I think that that's one of the, the best advice I can get, get that, that's really easy to, to, to try to understand, okay, what's the peak margin of this company? And the peak margin would be the, the, the profitability level that this company will have when they're in, 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 in blue sky steady state, so to say. And those type of really qualitative high growth companies, you need to value from a peak margin perspective at every point in time. So I don't really care if they're doing 12% or 17% next year. I just care what they're doing from my peak margin uh, perspective, because that's how I value them. I see them as being able to have that peak margin at the end of my case period, the end of my holding period, and hopefully the market will even over uh, evaluate that that morning at, at that point in time. So, so that's that's what I always do, and then uh, gathering information and and finding like the the bricks of information that I need that varies between company to company it depends what I think is hard and what I can what I can't understand. Uh, that's that's where I dig dig deeper. Just a couple of more questions. Uh, obviously, COVID has also accelerated working from home, etc. Uh, obviously, you hire very smart people. So how do you view that concept of freedom and responsibility? And has that changed your mind during the last years? I would say no. I'm still a firm believer in working as a group in a physical place. Uh, I feel like 80, year old, 80 years old when I say it, because it's, 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 it's not in line with most people's uh, view uh, on it. But I really... I really stand for what I say. Uh, I believe that you should use the fact that you're a small company. Uh, big companies have to have meetings all the time. We can go over to, to the other person's screen and do, th- do things like in the room. Uh, for me, that's when magic happens. That's when the best ideas just pop out of everything, anything uh, and, and, and stuff like that. So. Um, I'm not a fan of the full remote model. I understand that it works for, for some companies. And if you founded the company that way, it probably could work. Uh, and for big companies, it works better. But for us, uh, I would never go all the way there. With that said, I have to understand and respect the, the, the new reality, so to say. Uh, and we have to compete with, with companies that, that offer full remote. Um, so, so we do a model where, where you have uh, two remote days per, per week, uh, voluntarily. Uh, we have a lot of people that, that don't use those at all. And we have some that uh, it's, a, it's a time in their life when it really works that way. But, but I do not do uh, exceptions on, on that if you're not sick or something like that. But because we want our people or, and our company to be to be office first not because i should stand there and see if you're you're are you working are you working but rather to give the 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 the, the person modular finance the the possibility to strive and i think that's that's almost only possible if we we do it together and, and we talk and, and we have not figured out the way to do that uh, remote. I mean, there's trade-offs to everything. So I think you're, you're explaining your thinking very, very well. 
maybe this question is a more a bit philosophical, but I th- it is in terms of obviously you achieved a lot in a very young age. So, just in your in your view of life, do you feel like you have destiny control in in everything you do? So the destiny control aspect would be like you can use an analogy like calculus. If you do A B C, you should expect this result. Or you can have the view that it's more statistical. So you have like a normal distribution and you will fall in in every in in a random part. Of course, you can act on it and improve it, but it, it more about life is a bit more random. Do you have a do you have a view on that at all? Or I have to believe that that we can uh, that we can push things in the right direction. But my investment career has has showed me that that uh, that of course I cannot expect a, a straight line just because I work for it, so to say. So no. I would not say that I have destiny control, and and one of the big things that that's that's hard uh, is to 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 what, what the days when you think, okay, uh, if I would not do this, what would I do then? That that's the really hard part. I think I still love this, and and that's why I I I, I do it every day. It's it's still the the happy customer and the the, the evolving uh, employee. Uh, those are the two things that, that drive me. And of course, I'm also a competitive person and I want our, our ARR to, to, to grow, but not because it's money, rather I see it as, as points and, and that we as a team do things better to, together. But no, I would not say that, that I, I, I have a view that I can just, uh, if I just do this, this happens. Uh, we have to be super... Uh, humble and, and happy every day that where 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 the where the cards are dealt in a way that that's favorable for us and and uh, otherwise we just have to adapt. It's a perfect ending, Peter. It's been so much fun having you on. Just a final question: Where can people get in touch and try your products and get in contact? Yeah, so uh, Modular Finance is a business-to-business uh, company. So so uh, there we we uh, we tell all uh, institutions, banks, list companies to, to contact us uh, at sales at modularfinance.se to know more about our products. Uh, something that we haven't talked about today, but that's fun as well, is that we do have a uh, business-to-consumer initiative that's called bushdata.se. Uh, that's a consumer product for, for a screening tool. So, so now you understand that I am objective. I've talked about me not using screening that much, but but that's a fantastic product uh, to to have as a part of your investment approach. Um, so uh, you can also look look into uh, to that. And if you want to ask me something, I, I always have uh, I always try to answer every email that I get. So so the email is up on our webpage modularfinance.se, uh, and I try to be. As active as I can on on Twitter, uh, I would love to discuss uh, specific companies more than I do, but I've decided not to, with respect to to, to my mark position. But but uh, even though I I realize as much of my tweets are are cheesy as hell, I try to to sometimes uh, give some some advice and some ideas and some things that I've uh, learned along the way. That's perfect. Thank you so much for joining. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Hi everyone, Christopher here again. Just a few things before you leave the show. If you like this episode, it would be great if you could give it a review and also share it with your professional network. If you want to get in touch with me, 
Twitter is the place. Just go to at Chris Wunheim. You can also find this information in the show notes. Hope to see you tune in to the next episode and take care.